So something strange happens when we reach the age of like 11, 12, 13, 14. <laughs> and I'm not talking about puberty, although it probably would seem that's what I'm alluding to. It might, puberty might have something to do with what I want to talk about, but something happens when we reach that, that preteen, teen age where we start to kind of push boundaries. We kind of start to test the waters. We, we stop taking things at face value that our parents say. And we start to wonder, like, like can I push on this? Can I, can I rock the boat a little bit? And, and just to, in a sense, almost to see what happens. In psychology, this is called differentiation. It's actually a really important part our, of our development as individuals. Honestly, individuals is the best term for it because in this process of differentiation, we are becoming individuals. We're, we're, we're separating, starting the separation from our family unit, from our parents, our mom and our dad, and our siblings, to find out who we are and what we're like. And it can be kind of a trying time, can't it? Um, it, can, it can be difficult for us as kids as well as for the parents, right? This is a great Mother's Day you know, beginning. You'll, you'll see why here in a second. But um, when I was, for me, that process of differentiation hit hard when I was like 12 years old. And um, it was, it's incredible to think back that there was like a two or three month period where I got caught with cigarettes, I got caught with pornography, I got caught stealing, I got caught egging the school. I got caught a lot, I, like was not good at, at keeping these things under wraps. And I just, thinking back, you know, happy Mother's Day, Mother, by the way, here you go, <laughs> this morning. Thinking back about, it's, it's kind of funny to think about because I wonder what the conversations with my parents look like as they're sorting out this 12-year-old boy that's doing all of these things. Like, like you know, was it like Nick, you know, I just don't know if... If, you know, like, is he going to be in, in prison before he graduates high school? And my dad's like, no, 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 no. Honey, are you kidding me? He's not going to graduate high school. Like, have you seen those grades? You know, like, like what were the conversations like, you know? Um, it was trying times. Honestly, we la I laugh about it now, but it was some of the, the hardest. And even, like, those times where we're testing out who we are, it can be dark. It can be lonely. It was difficult for me personally. I'm sure it was difficult for my parents as they were kind of walking me through that. And I think, I think it's good for us to, if you are a parent of teenagers or young kids, I think it's good for us to, to think about this and, and good for us to, to, to remind us that this is part of life, this differentiation, this, this striking out on our own to find out who we are is a natural part of our development. How that's expressed can be, it can be difficult ways. It can be ways that hurt each other and cause friction in the relationship, but it's important nonetheless for each of us to discover who we are, to find out our identity, to go out into the world and see what it's like to be us, and to see if we will be accepted, and to see if we will be loved. We're in this series called The Big Three. We started it last week and we started, we, we basically said this, that, that in life, God would like to bring life to us, you and me, through us, through you and me. 
that God designed it. We looked at the, we went all the way back to the book of Genesis, to the creation of the world, to, to Adam and Eve. And we saw that in Adam, before any sin had entered the world, before anything had wrong had happened, that something was not good. And that a man to be alone. And we made this conclusion from this, and I, find, I think this is interesting. I didn't find this till later in life. I've studied the Bible almost my whole life. And I didn't find this until recently. And I, I find it so fascinating because it has implications for us. But not only... As Christians, we believe that, that, God, like, that we have a God-shaped hole in our hearts, that we will never be happy apart from our Creator. We cannot find fulfillment. The creation cannot find fulfillment apart from the Creator. So we have this God-shaped hole in our heart. But we talked about last week how not only do we have a God-shaped hole in our heart, but God created us with a human-shaped hole in our heart, it seems. That without each other, we can have a perfect relationship with God. Adam had perfect communion with God. And yet, and yet, and yet, something was wrong. He didn't have a, a strong, he had, he had nobody else. He didn't have a, someone like him that he could connect with. And so we talked about how important these human connections are. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. Because if this is what it means to have a fulfilling life, we want good life, full life for you. And, and the, in order to pursue that, we need each other. So we call it the big three because we're talking about three different arenas or areas where these connections happen most. Home, friends, and romance. Those are the big three. Home, friends, and romance. It starts at home. We're going to discover that today, that it starts at home where we feel loved and we feel accepted and we feel known. And hopefully that extends out as we, as we age and as we differentiate from our families, right, we go and we make friends and hopefully find love and accept, acceptance there. And maybe in the future there might be romance for us as well where we can be loved and accepted and known. And so we're talking about those three areas. And today we're going to focus in, we're going to home in on home. And it's Happy Mother's Day. It's, it's a perfect time to do this. On Mother's Day, we talk about family, talk about home. And, and so, can we just give it up for all the mothers in the room, please? Yeah. Um, cheer loud. Um, and, and whether you're a mother through giving birth or through adoption or just influence, you're, you're a woman who just influences other people around you. We, we celebrate you today. And whether... You know, motherhood or Mother's Day, uh, whether your mother or not, is, is a source of joy or pain or both. We are here for you, um, and we're glad you're here at church today. Um, that, so, so the big three, the home, friends, and romance, on a, these are the areas where throughout life we have an opportunity to feel loved, to feel accepted, to feel like, we talked about this last week, how to find a place that this is my place, and a place has nothing to do with geography, it has to do with relationship. These, you know, like when I am with you, I feel like I belong here. You are my person. These are my people. This is my home. This is, these are my friends. This is where I feel like I belong. And what you know you've found a place like that, whether that's at home or outside the home, you know you found a place that like this when you feel fully known and fully loved. Everybody say fully known. To be fully known is one of the, the most important things in life and one of the most challenging things in life. To be fully known 
is to, to, to find a group of people or find a person where you're able to say, I am not afraid or ashamed to, to, to share with you what it's like to be me. I'm not afraid to, to share with you what I'm like, what I want, what it's like to be me at, at school or at work. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not afraid to share about what I'm sure about, what I'm unsure about, what I'm proud of, what I'd like to change in my life, my dreams, my fears, my hopes, and everything in between. And while I might not be comfortable sharing that with just anyone, in fact, there's hardly anyone that I would be willing to share that with. I'm willing to share that with you because when I'm with you, I feel like I can be known because you're my place. You're, you're my person. These, you, know, you are my people. And that's what it means to be fully known. And that can happen in a number of different places. But it also, the fully known is not enough. What we're hoping, our hopes are when we become fully known is that as a result of being fully known, we can be fully loved. Everybody say, fully loved. This is so important. Because, and this is what makes being fully known extremely difficult and intimidating. Is the idea of putting ourselves out there and not being received. There's a quote by John Ortberg that goes like this. Where is that quote? To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. Did you catch that? To be loved but, or to be, to be known but, wait, no. To be loved, <laughs> just making it more confusing for you. To be loved but not known. So you, you, someone says, I love you, but they don't really know you. That's comforting, but it's really just superficial. It's just skin deep because they don't really know you. And then he goes on to say, to be known and not loved, well, that's our greatest fear. Our greatest fear in life is we put ourselves out there and it's rejected. It's not accepted. It's not loved. It's despised. It's made fun of. It's used against us. And, and that's, we're going to be talking about this, I'm, I'm really, ha I'm homing in on this because this is really important. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be fully known and fully loved. That's really the heart of it as we're talking about home, as we're talking about friends, as we're talking about romance. It's the thread between all of it. To be intimately known and loved as a result of it. And here's why this is so important is we start first testing these waters at home. The, the, the way that we make ourselves known in the future, that's, that starts at home. Because, what, you know, like, what does mom do when I am myself, when I'm kind of silly? What does dad, how does dad react when I don't follow through on something? What do my siblings, what happens when my siblings find out that I'm scared or worried? What's, what's my family's reaction to me when I fail? Or... Sometimes worse than failure can be success. What's my, what's my dad's response when I succeed? Is it then do I get love? So, so in order to, to be loved, I need to succeed? How does my family react when I'm just average? See, we start to fill in these blanks at home. And that's why home is so important. How our families react to us at home truly, like, like and, and as, as we... As we are known at home, affects how we will uh, pursue being known outside the home later, right? It's just kind of how it works. And this is so important because in order to be fully loved, we must first be fully known. You could say it another way it's impossible to be fully loved unless we are fully 
known. That's what's so powerful about that phrase when Adam, when Eve was brought to Adam last week. He says, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, I'll call her woman. And it makes this, the, the Genesis makes this comment. That they were, the, the man and woman were naked and they felt no shame. They were fully known and they were able to fully love each other. And that's what, that's what it's, not, it's not literal nakedness, but, but it's this idea of vulnerability, of, of letting people know what you're like, who you're like, what your fears are. And the response, the response is important, especially in the beginning, and that starts at home. Therefore, a large part of our jobs as parents is to create an environment at home where kids can be, our kids can be fully known and fully loved. Um, the times where we can say to our kids, no, no, I, I love you. And that's not just token. I know it's your mama. And here's the thing, that whole differentiation thing. There's this period of time where we naturally say, you know, like, like we're naturally saying to our mom and dad, like, I know you love me, and, but it's, uh, mom, I need you to know that I, that's not going to matter. It's going to seem like that doesn't matter to me for a while while I go find out if I can be loved over here. And we need to bear, like, like if you're in that arena right now, bear with your children. <laughs> because guess what? They won't be able to say what I just said, right? You know, mother. I'm going through this process of differentiation right now. And during this period of time, you might experience a little. No, they're just not going to do that. They can't do that. My mom used to ask me, like, when I got caught doing all these things, like, what were you thinking? I'm like, I don't know. But I'm Josh. I'm trying to figure that out. And at home, we get the wonderful challenge of, of, of trying to uh, Build this environment where our kids can be fully known and hopefully in, a, in, in, in response to them being fully known, we can fully love them. Today's going to be a little different. We usually start with the Bible. I do a little intro like this and then I dive right into scripture because we want to put scripture at the foundation of like, like you and I can think a lot of different things and they're neither here nor there. But the scripture grounds us. That's what we believe as Christians. Today I'm going to end with a passage. I want to start today, um, so we're going to do a little, little bit differently, but um, today I want to start with, with three different things that as I was praying for this message in the last couple weeks, three different ways that I believe that we can build that at home. Build three different things that we can do as parents that will help encourage our, our kids to, to, this is a place that you can be known, this is a place that you can be loved. And I realize that, that we have a really broad audience today, that some of you are not parents, some of you are empty nesters, some of you are students, some of you are being parented right now, you know, like, like it's, it, there's a broad range, but I, I, if you hang with me, first, first off, um, you need to look at these next three sermons, the next three weeks, it's really one giant sermon with the idea of like what does it mean to be fully known and fully loved, so it, just keep that in mind as, as we're talking, I'm gonna, it sound, it'll sound like I'm talking directly and only to parents today. But it's, it's not actually true. If you think about it, there, what I'm about to talk about is, has so many applications for different, in different areas of life. These things that are good for parenting are good for all of our relationships. 
So I want to talk about these three things. Three things that, that I believe, three ways that, that you and I, if you're a parent, can create an environment where our kids can be known and hopefully then they can be loved. Keep in mind, this is not exhaustive. I wasn't, com- I'm not, I wasn't attempting to create a complete list, like if you do these things. Honestly, the purpose of these, more than anything, is to get you to think. Because your, your, your kid is your own kid, and they're going to need something different. They're going to need something specific, and there's, no ex- there's really no substitute in parenting for, for just thinking and really wrestling with things um, and trying to figure those things out. But th- hopefully these three things get you thinking. Here's, here's thing number one. Here's, here's, here's what uh, application number one. As much as you can, love what they love. As much as you can, find out what they love and then just go love it with them. Even if you don't love it. Uh, don't be afraid to take up bow hunting. That's, that, that, like, when I think about this, I, I, I learned this from my dad. My, my dad took, when I was 14 years old, I really wanted to, to bow hunt. And this, keep in mind, keep in mind what I did in the last couple of years. Like, he could have easily said, you don't deserve bow hunting. But he didn't. He, he said, and he wasn't all that interested in bow hunting. But he took up bow hunting. He bought a bow. He bought a bow for me. We, we went out, you know, a couple different falls all the time. He put me in the best places. I actually shot stuff. He never did. <laughs> but he loved what I loved. And see, what, when that happens, when we do that, when we love what they love, it communicates to them that what they pursue is worthwhile. And when, it like, it's like saying, I want to know what makes you come alive because I want to see more of that. Oh, you're really into this game right now? Tell me more about this game. Like, like how does it work? And they'll have to explain it four times because we're old and, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's okay because we're interested. It, it, basically, when we love what they love, we're saying you are so worthwhile that even what you love is worthwhile. And I can't explain it. I was trying to, like, put pen to paper this week as to why that's so important for the future. I couldn't, but it is. Am I right? Like, like, like the result is confidence. The result is what the things that you select, the things that you entertain, the things that you put your, your passion and your mind to, child, that matters. And, and how that translates is later on in life they'll have the confidence to actually put their, their mind to things that matter. Um, it, if we love where what they love, we get a chance to say, you're so worthwhile that even what you love is worthwhile. So let's watch that funny cat video again. <laughs> oh, how many Pikachu cards do you have? Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. Show me that lacrosse shot. Oh, my. You're getting fat. You know, all these. Like, honestly, parents, wow, goes a long way. Wow. You, look at all of those cards you have. I, how, does, how does a child have I mean, That's so cool. Love what they love. And here's, here's what will happen. If you do this right, you'll make your kids feel famous. And, and they'll know that you're in their fan club. And that's right where you want to be. And it translates into confidence in the future. One more thing on this before we move to the second one. 
What's tricky is, and I, I've battled with this as a parent, it's like you see these things and like, he, they're like, man, but I'm worried about how much he's playing this video game. I'm worried about how much she's talking about boys. Like that doesn't make me all that comfortable. But like, like so, so we, our first reaction is to kind of distance ourselves from it. Like, well, hopefully it's just a phase that passes. Here's the deal. If you, if you want to have influence in the conversation, you need to be with them through it. Does that make sense? If, you, if, you do, if you're worried about that activity, like taking over their life or taking them down the wrong direction, then don't give it power. Enjoy that activity with them. You know, go play that video game for a while and then say, you know what, it's a nice day outside. Let, let's go out and play together. That's a lot better than saying, quit playing that game, get outside. You know, like, like you're Because you're with them when you love what they love. Putting money in the bank account, by doing those things together, you're putting money in the bank account so that there's something there when you take a withdrawal out. Love what they love. Second one, never be shocked. You could put this a different, a, a different way. Never let your shock be known. Because <laughs> the reality is you're going to be shocked. As a parent, it's only a matter of time before you're shocked by what they're discussing at school, what they heard on the bus, what they're struggling with, what they're looking at. That will come out and you'll be like, oh no, oh no, oh no. You can't let that be shown. We actually learned, like this is something I learned in, in Young Life. Um, as we're walking alongside kids and, and Young Life is a, 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 a youth organization that, that doesn't wait for kids to come to, to us. We go to the high schools and we go to the middle schools and, and we, we're with kids. And, and if you've ever worked in, student, in a student environment, you know that students will test you to see if you're legit. If you're an adult, they'll test you to see if you're going to stick around. And we said, never be shocked. Like, and, and we brought it back to God. We made it theological because God's not shocked. He, he knows what we're doing and, and he's not shocked by it. He's not, he's not made squeamish by our sin. And so we can't be shocked when our kids bring things to us that are truly troubling. If we're shocked, or if we're mad, or if we're angry, if we respond poorly, what is that going to do the next time they're wrestling with something and they want to talk about it? They probably won't talk about it with you. It'll keep the, if, we're, if we keep ourselves from being shocked, we'll keep us into, in the conversation, in the discussions, which is where we want to be, to, to right where we want to be. It promotes vulnerability. And, it, and here's the other thing that it does. It never gives our chance, our kids the chance to think, well, if they, if they really knew what I did last Friday night, then they wouldn't love me. You see what I'm saying? Like, like if we're not a part of the conversation, we're not going to know everything that our kids do. Like, that's just reality. My parents still don't know some of the things that happened in their house when I was a teenager. Maybe I'll tell them later today. But here's the thing. As much as possible, if we want, if, 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 if in order to be fully loved, we need to be fully known. We need to be in the conversations where, there's, where they're wrestling and where they're struggling. And if we're shocked, over and over again, if we're angry over and over again, we're not going to be in those conversations, which inhibits our, our, our ability to fully love them. So the first one is love what they love. The second one is never be shocked. 
And the third one is, is never underestimate the power of an apology. Never underestimate how powerful it is to say you're sorry. And I think where we miss this a lot as parents, some of us maybe have never apologized to our kids. More likely, I would guess some of us apologize, but only when big things happen. Well, I, was, I was running this through with Christy, and I was asking her, like, are these, are these the things that you would say, you know, because we're parenting together? And, and she's like, yeah. But remind them that the, to apologize for even the little things. Something that Christy does really, really well. If she feels that she's been impatient with the kids, she'll, she'll say, hey, guys, what you guys were doing to me, was, that was not cool. You were not treating mama fair. But the way I reacted, I'm sorry. That was not fair either. And what you do when you, what you do that is, what you communicate when we apologize is if it, it, it's okay for us to admit our mistakes. It, it, and if we are, let's see, by us admitting our mistakes, by us being real, real in the present and in the past, it allows them, it, per, it, it catapults them to being real in the future with other people. It's, it's, if it's okay to fail, if it's okay to make mistakes, if it's okay to ask for forgiveness, your, your child will be all that more likely to do it in the future. And, and as a result, they'll be known more, which gives them the possibility to be loved more. Never underestimate the power of an apology. It will keep, I think, honestly, if, if we teach them how to be vulnerable like that, it will keep them from keeping secrets that will maybe someday haunt them. It will keep them from lies that we all know will hurt them. And it will keep them from isolation that could eventually crush them. It's just all, another way to promote it's okay to be known. It's okay to fail. It's okay to not be perfect. Love what they love. Never be shocked. Never underestimate the power of an apology. Now, think about those three things. Again, remember I said, like, I'm, you're going to feel like I'm talking to parents. But in reality, like, like this is just good relational things. Like, like, like your friend, like, be interested in what they are interested in. It'll probably grow the friendship, right? Never be shocked by, by somebody who brings something to you in confidence and they're, they're like, I'm really wrestling. Like that will allow them to, to be, feel loved and known and accepted more, right? And of course, apologies, they go a long way in every relationship. And I know, like, I, I, I know that as we talk about this, especially as we talk about this in the arena of home, you can't, like, like you can't help but think about two things. If you're a parent, you can't help but think about your kids. And I know this hits a, a broad audience because some of you, your kids are long gone. And you're like, man, I wish I'd known that one point 20 years ago. Or maybe you're like, you have kids now, and you're like, I, I know I need to do that, but I don't know how. You know, like it hits us in a lot of different places. And some of us are not parents at all, and we can't help but think of what it was like to grow up in our own home. And it wasn't safe. And it wasn't okay to fail. And your parents didn't love what, they lo what you loved. And you know, you know, only when you succeeded were you given attention, the positive attention. You're like, wherever this hits you, like, I know, I, I was thinking about this this week. I'm like, this is going to hit us in so many different places. Where, how do I bring any sense, or how do I bring us all to the same thing? And, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to do it by telling a story. 
there was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my estate. Give me my inheritance. And so the father, oddly enough, honored the son and, and, and divided the estate and gave him his portion. This is a solid example of what differentiation is. <laughs> this is the son, this prodigal son, if you haven't picked it up already. He's differentiating himself. And he, and he honestly, like, there, there's sometimes there's things in the culture, like in a story, a parable that Jesus would tell that we need to understand about the culture. We don't need to understand anything about Jewish culture or what it was like to have an inheritance. It's, it's very similar to now. You don't get an inheritance until the person dies. And it would be extremely rude, just as much back then as it is now, if, if you went to your parents and said, I wish you were dead, can I have my money now? <laughs> We don't know the details, we don't know the backstory, we don't know why. But we'll quickly find out that the father is really, really good. So the son sets off to a distant land, squanders his inheritance on wild living. Shortly after this, there's a famine. And the land is, you know, there's a famine in the land and the, the son falls on hard times. And it gets so bad that there's a, there's a verse, and this is in Luke 15, where it says that the son, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. You know things are bad when you have to fight a pig for food, <laughs> especially if you're Jewish. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, as this is happening, it proves to be a defining moment. The son has a moment of clarity. And he comes to his senses and he says, you know, even my father's servants have, have more than this. Even my father's servants have surplus food. And, and he says, you know, basically, I'm gonna, I, I need to go home. And as I was reading this, this, um, this story this week, in light of this passage, it was, in light of what we're talking about, it was like, I, I, I picture the, the, the son, like, I remember a time where, in a place where I belonged. Like, yeah, I'm in a distant land, and that was far, who knows, years probably had passed. But all of a sudden, his heart started to long for home. His heart remembered what it was like to be known. His heart remembered what it, would like, what it was like to be loved. And he said, I will go home. And he starts going home. And he starts, if you're familiar with the, with the story, he starts rehearsing his speech. Father, I don't, I don't even deserve to be your son. Just make me a servant. You know? He, he, he's, he's saying, basically what he's saying is like, in light of what I have done, once you know what I have done, you won't call me your son anymore. I'll be lucky to be your servant. Well, if you know the story, you know what happens. While the son was a long way off, the father ran to him, wrapped his arms around him, and kissed him. The son never gave, got to give his speech. And then he said, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. 
bring, put a ring on his finger. And this, this is so important because, because put a ring on his finger because it looks like he's lost his ring. They, they used to, like, if they were a wealthy family, you had a ring with like a crest or a symbol of your family. Well, that was gone. He lost that years ago. You know, he lost it in the gambling deal or what? He, that was gone. And the father says, oh, I noticed that you've lost the ring on your finger. Quick, we need to get you another one so that you can remember who you are. That you're mine. That you belong here. Put sandals on his feet because it looks like he lost those too. Bring the fattened calf, calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. Now he's alive again. He was lost. I know, son, you feel lost. But now you are found because you are home. So they began celebrate. And, and I thought about this. I was like, man, we could talk about this for half an hour and unpack all the parenting things that go along with this, that this passage has to say about how sometimes the quickest way for our kids to come home is for them to leave for a while. Like, that's what we learned through this. The, the father doesn't freak out and say, no, you can't go. He's like, no, I know you need to go. We could talk about how, how we could react when they come home beat up and how important that is, what our response would be like. We could talk about what it's like to create a home like this. But I think, honestly, for the best thing for us to do as we're talking about this today, as we read this parable, is not to cast ourselves as the father in the story, even if we're parents, even if we are a father. The best way to see ourselves in this passage is to see ourselves as the son. And this, this, this is good for the rest of our conversation moving forward. It's good for us to recognize, again, because we have different experiences. All of us know what it's like to be known and rejected. Whether in some, For some of us, that happened at home. It happened at an early age, and we never quite recovered from it. Or we're still recovering from it, right? All of us know what that is to feel like. And so I think for a moment, we need to bask in the idea of what it means to be a son of God. A daughter of God. The best thing that we can do when we read this passage is to remember who our true father is. Especially if you have daddy issues. Daddy hurt. Your mother wasn't there for you. Never knew your mother. We need to, I remember when I um, asked Chrissy's dad to, to, if I could marry her. So I was, I was young. I was 20, 21 years old. And, and we had this long walk and this long talk. It was really a fond memory that I have. And I can't remember how it came up into the conversation, but he, he basically said, you know, he said, a lot of my friends in my life have struggled with, they never felt loved from their father. It was just kind of that generation. It was a harder generation. It was the greatest generation, as it's been called. But he was a hard man, and it never knew. And, and he's like, a lot of my friends wrestled with that. And he said, I wrestled with that until I became a Christian and I started to, to experience the love of my heavenly father. And he says, I've tried to explain to my children that I will fail you as your dad. Like, I'm going to come short. And honestly, one of the hardest things that I've wrestled with as being a parent, when I started as a parent, I was like, I'm going to have to have a lot of grace. And then the further along in, in parenting, 
I don't need, the, the further along in parenting, there's this shift and there's like, oh, not only am I going to have to have a lot of grace, I'm going to have to ask my kids to have a lot of grace with me because I'm impatient and I get angry and I'm going to miss cues and I'm going to be shocked. I'm not going to love what they love. And I'm not going to apologize when I apologize. I am going to fail. And if you're a father in the room, you're like, man, I'm going to, like, I feel like I'm failing. Wrestle with this, but also know that your child has a heavenly father that loves them perfectly. And here's what I want us to see through this passage today that's so important. For you personally, as the son, as the daughter, not the father, as the son and daughter, the person who knows you most loves you the most. Your heavenly father who loves you, he knows everything about you and he loves you. Jesus Christ, the son of God, came knowing all of the things that we have done and would do and he died anyway. To, say, to let us know that we are worthwhile, we are worth fighting for, we are worth dying for. And I know we talked about last week how that there's, a God, you know, not, there's not only a God-shaped hole in our hearts, there's a human-shaped hole in our hearts. But I, I, would, I would propose this, that as we're, as, we're follow, as, as we're striking out, we're trying to find out acceptance through, from others and finding love from others, we will be discouraged. We will be uh, rejected, and we always need to know where home is truly. We always need to be able to come back to the to home, to the love of the heavenly Father who knows us perfectly and loves us perfectly. And I wanted to just kind of end on that today and rest in that today. You are known. There's a God in heaven who knows you. knows there, There's nothing that you've done. That he doesn't know. There's no thought that you've had he wasn't aware of. And he sent his son to die for you because he said, you are so worthwhile. And if you're struggling as a parent, use that as fuel. Like, pray today, Lord, I have failed. But Lord, would you help me to love my children as you have loved me? It's a powerful prayer. We're going to continue the discussion in the next couple of weeks. Don't miss this. It's so good to, to, to think about. It's so, so There's so much life in this. But in the meanwhile, today, as we sing these songs, thank the Lord. Thank God. If, if, you've, never, if you've never looked at yourself as a son or daughter, step into that today because that is who you are. Let me pray.